hosted by Andy Moss. Andy has been in the staffing industry for over 25 years, first as a recruiter, then eventually an account manager and business owner. This is the podcast where we sit down with fellow staffing owners to get the real stories of the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned along the way. Welcome back to Staffing Stories. I'm your host, Andy Moss, and I've got a special guest with me, Mr. Eric Kessinger, just down the road in Atlanta. Eric and I started recruiting many moons ago about the same time with the same company, and we've, we've kind of grown apart, got reconnected, and I wanted to get him on just to kind of share his story because it's such a it's a good one. But uh, Eric is with um, Legacy uh exec search it's a new organization for him and it's been an amazing ride for him so i want to introduce him to all the listeners hello everybody eric um for those who don't know you kind of just give your just background a little bit of story and then we'll kind of pop some questions at you yeah no problem um so I'll just start with where me and you kind of probably started. You know, you just you kind of just fall in to this industry and I won't <laughs> go through it, it. Just it found me. The next thing I know, I'm interviewing here in Atlanta uh, with a company called Aerotech. And um, nobody knows that. Know. Nobody, nobody yeah. knows what Aerotech is. Aerotech, Allegis Group. So anyhow, it was this big. <laughs> Big, big, huge company, um, still growing, I guess. But uh, anyhow, um, I spent five years at Aerotech. Um, and I think those that maybe either know anything about it, five years is a long time at uh, Aerotech. Um, and then a buddy of mine had left um, Aerotech and then joined a company called Lucas Group, which was based here in um, Atlanta. So I had spent almost 20 years with Lucas Group um, based in Atlanta um, and un until we got acquired in November of 2021 by Corn Ferry. So um, I just left, me and same guy that left and recruited me to go over, a guy by the name of Charlie Wilgus. Um, we decided, we've been talking about it for years, but you've got kids and Maybe I wasn't the risk taker, maybe that you were, but, um, you know, just decided to go ahead and put our own firm together. So it's the two of us and another partner. And so I left in early August and we just opened up a uh, uh, an executive search group called a legacy legacy executive search. You based know, here. Um, a lot of people, you know, question like executive search, like what level, like, you know, executive search covers a lot, not just like CEOs and presidents and things like owner, you know, that level kind of walk, you know, some of our listeners that may not be as familiar with exec search, you know, kind of that whole, the way it lays out. Absolutely. I, um, well, the transition when I joined Lucas group, you know, we were mainly doing contract at Luke at, uh, at, um, at, um, Aerotech. But as I started figuring things out, I wanted to go up the food chain, but it is totally a misnomer to think that everything's executive and everything is is only C-level because um, most of the recruiters that I was working with at Lucas Group were not doing exec 
like what you might define as C-level executive search. That's usually going to be small boutiques and a lot of times the big executive search. Coca-Cola does not call Eric Kessinger for the next CEO search. Yeah. Right. They just don't. So um, I would define it as, you know, kind of leadership. You start cutting your teeth with the manager, director level. And I had made it a point to try to go up the food chain. So where I started working um, was for a, a vast majority of my years is like the middle to lower middle market companies, 200, 300 million and under, but doing, you know, sometimes director, but VP and president level searches. So I did kind of carve and, and go up that path. And that's what a lot of my searches have been until I got into leadership or management a few yeah. years back. So when you look at, I mean, you, your industry is kind of more in that manufacturing industry also. I mean, so you're looking for executive level inside of, you know, a product, somebody's building a product. Exactly. So everything, most of all of my background has been in manufacturing. Then I would add distribution. Yeah. So manufacturers, um, I've done like 15 searches with a company that doesn't manufacture, but they distribute natural stone throughout the U.S. So I had to learn um, distribution too. But uh, at Core Fair, you'd almost call it like industrial. Gotcha. So attributes to a great recruiter, you know, you and I both were at Aerotech and we were both very good recruiters, um, especially in the technical markets. What are the attributes that you see great recruiters have that have been in this industry a while? Well, I think one is, um, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty decent recruiter, but I, I get worried when recruiters tout themselves because we're in a we're in a business that's ever changing. So I've always said to my bosses, the day that I say I'm omniscient or I know everything, you should fire me. Yeah. Because I think I really, truly think it's something where you've got to always continuously improve. Um, I see a lot of value in getting older it's like one of the more unique industries where you know shoot when we started in our 20s you know i thought 40 or 50 and those are just old farts right old people but <laughs> what you what you what you learn yeah. is through that is having kids you learn your empathy level goes up so you're you, you learn quite a bit by just aging honestly yep. and that's actually learned too by just life experiences well you some of the things that I like about recruiters are this instant ability to bond with somebody. I think um, guy, girl, whatever, just if you can establish a rapport as quick as that first call, you're going to be a great recruiter. But if it takes you three, four or five calls to win trust, then that's going to be it's going to be a hard field to plow. Do you, do you see that? I mean, in your business, I mean, you, you have to, I mean, these guys aren't going to just talk to anybody in the exec field, I'm sure. Well, I, I think it's um maybe a fundamental belief. I, I try to treat it. I mean, I placed $10 an hour technicians, you know, back in the day. I don't put myself above any anybody. And yeah. so um, with that, I don't care if I'm talking to somebody that I talked to a guy the other day that was running a $1.6 billion division. Um, for, a, for a very big uh, electronics manufacturer. I mean, everybody puts their pants on the same. So the, that's kind of the way I approach it. 
And then to your point, Andy, I think the art of what we do is diffusing in short amount of time to get somebody to open up. And that is not some, it, it's, it's tough to coach and train. And I just think it's, it's being comfortable in your own skin, right. And yep. just being yourself and getting somebody to talk, um, to talk to somebody, not at somebody. Cause I know that my part of my transition, um, when I would be profiling a candidate early on, um, I just feel like I had these scripted questions and it was just rigid. I would just, yeah. add, they, they weren't, they weren't rounded. They weren't getting somebody to open up. And to your point, Andy, too, it's, it, it's, you got to be a great listener. So yeah. it's the attribute of getting somebody to diffuse, but also just knowing when to let them elaborate and listen. Well, they'll, um, you know, identifying red flags, you know, is, you know, they're going to say something that's going to, disqualify them or put them in if you don't interview like i talked to my recruiters like just interview them don't interview them to the job you're looking for i mean just find out what he or she's trying to find in their career because they'll sit there and just probably tell you about your job if and if they're the right fit but if you start saying can you do this yes can you do that no you know it, that's that's like you scripted. So, I mean, it has to be conversational. You have to be able to carry a conversation um, uh, and just feel the moment. If, if I had been told this, here's a good, good tip. And I trained this and would coach this with anybody that I had managed or onboarded. But if you can really understand what I'm about to say, it's, it's, if you can get into motivation, meaning what prompted somebody to update the resume. So, yeah. One, take me back to the moment. When did you update your resume? What prompted you to do it? Yeah. You will get a great story with just those two questions right there, which will help you ultimately with motivation when your client asks you, why, why are they looking right now? Yeah, there was a there was something there was a triggering moment yeah. or or yeah, that cascaded everything. Yeah. So when you look back in your career, walk us through a moment that was probably a bad moment in your career, but turned out to be the best teaching lesson or the best thing for you. Um, it, it's, it's, I vividly remember it. And so um, I had been probably coached. And this was not maybe at, uh, I can't remember where I was taught this, but I had been taught when it comes to prepping candidates, um, never seemed 100% right. But when you prep a first candidate, then second candidate, third candidate, maybe fourth candidate for the same job, I was giving candidates because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It's an unfair advantage to candidate number two, three, four. If you're giving them feedback from the interviews of the first candidate or any of the original candidates in process. So um, let's just tee it up. That's what happened. I get a phone call from the CEO of a company in Charlotte um, and he called me out <laughs> on the it. phone and, um, and I owned it. And so the lesson learned was it, it was an unintentional misgiving to it's it, it, it almost probably felt like I'm trying to give every candidate um, 
I, I was inserting myself too much into the process when you want to keep the process fair for every candidate. So that that was my biggest probably mistake and learned lesson. Didn't lose the client, but I did have to own that mistake and I never did it again. Well, I, I mean, there's moments where we all step on ourselves and, and you, know, you do have to own it. You have to say, and that's what a, you have to be humble in this industry because it will humble you in a hurry. Because Absolutely. there's a, a lot of moving pieces in our work, but that's a that's a great lesson. On the other hand, what is a moment where everything came together and it's like, okay, this 20 years of industry is like, okay, I've not figured it out, but man, I you know, I've got it to a point where I understand it. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I, I think it's it's been somewhat recent because I got into management and got away. I was still doing search, but not in the volume um, where, where, where I, I, I feel like I've got a network. Kind of goes back to the age topic, right? Yeah. We all start. If you did not come from the industry or LinkedIn, just think of the first person that connected with you, you know, and I'm pretty selective. I don't think I've got even 5,000, um, you know, connections. So I'm usually with full, full intent. But what happens over time, which I think is just kind of a light bulb moment that to me, I, I'm proud of, is I've got a pr pretty darn good network. So you spend all this time yeah. doing searches, reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Um, don't, don't discount the value of your network if you're having meaningful conversations along the way that can help you. You yep. don't always have to reinvent the wheel if you leverage your network to help you. Well, it's not instantaneous. I mean, it's like you're planting seeds that you may not, you know, get back for years. I mean, I remember talking to frontline engineers 15 years ago that are now I'm looking at, oh, man, he's a plant manager. And they remember who I am. And it's just it's, it's great because I've treated everybody. I don't care if I got you a job or not. Hopefully I helped a little bit in your, you know, resume development or your thoughts about interviewing or search, because, you know, they're going to be still be in the industry. They're going to, they'll come. If you're they'll remember your name as a recruiter that helped them or didn't give them two hours of time. Well, just as an example, me and my partner are going up to Cleveland tomorrow for three days. Um, because a guy that I talked to, he's a big, he's, let's call him a private equity CEO. Um, I just had a good conversation with him a long time, but then I kept touching base with him, even though I never placed him. Yep. And he called me a couple of years ago and we did two or three searches with him just because of a meaningful conversation a number of years ago when he told me he wasn't interested in the search that I was conducting. So it all comes full circle. And if you think about it, Andy, me and you developed a relationship and we can catch up like that yeah. because of the same thing, networking where you would call me or I would call you to see who you might know for a search. Yep. And you have to be willing to give, you know, great recruiters are very giving with their time and energy. And when I say that is, Individuals you recruit want some information. They need that information to make a decision. And if you're a recruiter that keeps everything 
real private. Like I can't give you that name yet, or I can't, I mean, that's not, um, and I understand some people say, well, you don't give them the client name. Do not, today's world, you can kind of get to what that is, but man, I was successful by saying, okay, I'm recruiting for this type of company, you know, and I never held back. They asked me a question. I answered it and they may, they may not like my answer, but they're never going to say I was not truthful with them. But if I, well, if I start throwing up walls, that was when things broke down. Well, to your point, how can we expect somebody to open up if we don't do the same in return? So yeah. to your point, Andy, the more you feel comfortable I just haven't had somebody go snake a client or just go, and it's happened, but yeah. I will tell you it is few and far between over 25 years. Yep. And so that is one way to diffuse by that openness. And I yep. agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, I mean, you're hopefully working for a client that's freaking awesome. And you want to be able to say, okay, this is a fortune 50 or a fortune 10, you know, because that's what our clients are hoping we're doing is selling them. But if we're so private and, and we're not giving, like going back to the question, like giving of information and being able to understand where you're recruiting them to, what are the city, what's the city like? What are the schools like? What I mean, you know, because some of us, quite frankly, just start jumping on the phone with people and we don't know two squats about the company we're recruiting for. And great recruiters will at least do some homework before they start jumping on the phone. Yeah, there's, there's a fine line, right? There's those that we know that have to have all the information, have it buttoned up. I've always said all we have to be is like like an inch deep. And I'm like, yeah. I'm probably the, the, the least handy person I know in the state of Georgia. And I could probably lob <laughs> my name over in the state of Tennessee. I, and, we, and we placed engineers. Yeah. But I didn't need to know how to turn the wrench. Exactly. But you at least need to know the company builds tractors. <laughs> like, when someone asked, what does this company do? And if your answer is, you know what? I don't know. Well, that doesn't really establish that you're very confident in what you're doing. So, exactly. So when you look at our industry and where it's going over the years, being in it as long as you have, and, and you and I have gray hair because of this industry, where do you see our industry going? I go back and forth. I mean, I've been trying to learn AI. I mean, shoot, I've got to put together, an, I want to update and refresh my bio. So I'm using AI. Yeah. You know, have I not watched shows and do I get worried that AI can, can maybe take a segment of what we do? But I, I still, um, I still believe that there's a personal touch that a computer program or an algorithm can't really touch. And that's tone, inflection, um, and some other things. So I don't think from an industry standpoint, um, you'll watch things and you'll think that we're going to be obsolete in a couple of years. And I just don't, I don't believe that. Um, I also believe that, um, you know, we've got a, a workforce that continues to age. Right. Yeah. And there's a big void in certain skill sets. You just got to be ahead of the skill sets in the industries um, that are going to be, you know, pretty hot. And so um, I'm, I'm completely positive on, on where our industry is going. I'm not as worried about the AI, you know, 
outbreak, when I say outbreak, that taking our job like you, but it will make a good recruiter a great recruiter. And it will make an average, below average recruiter a good recruiter because of the time savings, the, the, the grammar, the being able to put together, you know, you know, submittal notes or, you know, a uh, write me a text, you know, for this job that I'm recruiting for. Because um, that I think is the automation of that's going to be incredible. Our industry is growing; it gets bigger and bigger. Um, but you know, it's changed from when we, me and you, sat in that seat. Okay. I mean, big time. I mean, we didn't have LinkedIn Recruiter. <laughs> no, right? I mean, we just used to have. I mean, and so I'm not going to go old school on you, but I even get on myself sometimes for not picking the phone up. But people are going to screen because I screen anybody that calls me. Yeah, we got to You got to be creative. And there's, you know, there's multiple ways to communicate and connect with potential candidates. Um, um, so anyhow, that's this is an exercise to go into all those techniques. But but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, we're, we're not going. We're not going. Yeah. Away. So as we wrap up, I always kind of ask my guests a couple questions. And, you know, the one that's kind of interesting is if you're streaming uh a show right now what are you streaming what's your go-to shows <laughs> that's good oh well the best show i've probably seen I've, I've watched in a number of years is gangs of london huh. so if the, i'm not watching football which i pretty much watch all football and I'll stream it and what have you, but yeah. um, but but I guess since you're asking me, and it's top yeah. of mind. Yeah, that's um, good. Gangs of London. So when um, Tennessee comes down to Georgia this year and we win, what what's that night look like when you're when you when you take a L? It's it's going to probably look like what happened to you guys when you played Florida. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll just end it right there. Hey, hey, hey. I can't talk too much about my uh, volunteers, but you know, it just get used to Rocky Top. No, and it'll be. I went a couple of years ago. I mean, I think it's gonna be a heck of a game. And going away anytime in the you know playing away anytime in the uh, in the SEC. Yeah, going down to Gainesville is not easy. So I'm just kidding. I mean, it's uh, no, it's it's. You know, f- football is a, a religion here in the Southeast. It certainly is. It certainly is. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your week to, you know, for you and I to catch up and just kind of lay some wisdom down, especially when it comes to the recruiting in our industry. I really do appreciate it. Of course. Absolutely. Uh, thanks a lot, Eric. Enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning into the episode. Staffing Stories is brought to you by 3DIQ. We are the future of staffing sales. Our solutions are designed to supercharge your sales and 3X placements, all without ever leaving Bullhorn. Direct market, deliver talent, and drive sales with our all-in-one tool designed for the modern recruiter. Visit 3DIQ.com backslash stories to learn more. Find Staffing Stories on LinkedIn, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts.